Coming up, how two attractions are tempting employees with new benefits. Plus, a live on-location check-in from this year's Halloween and Attractions show in St. Louis. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. Green Tagged covers the top theme park news from each week. As always, for our haunt-specific shows, check back tomorrow and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at the link in our show notes. Enjoy this episode of Green Tagged. From our studios in Los Angeles, California and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. This week, we are recording this a little bit early because both Scott and I are, when the time you're listening to this, both Scott and I are at Trans World's Halloween and Attraction Show in St. Louis. So we are future traveling we're future casting we're prognosticating we're looking into the future based on what we know from the past and and just to be fair just to be fair the trans world show also is co-located with the uh, trans world christmas show as well as the the trans world escape room show so needless to say philip and i are busy uh while you're listening to this we'll be running around however we are going to try to uh to grab some some time to actually bring you um breaking information so that we can be timely and uh the, the really the second half of of this show will be all focused on what we have learned what has just happened at the the trans world show so if you're expecting uh trans world show information it will be here but not until later in the show and this way we can keep us ahead of the game just a little bit and we recorded this on Sunday, March 13th. So if something did happen between from then and now that is big news, we will talk about it next week. Uh, or we'll talk about it later in the show when we're yes, coming from Trans World. True, we, we, we have our insurance policy if we need it. We just wanted to make sure that we had at least half the show recorded because we know we're going to be busy and we know that you know with any large trade show, whether it is the, the Trans World show or even IAPA Expo or whatever, that it's it's... We're running around like crazy people. So we wanted to make sure that we could get part of the show done. And in order to do that, we're going to dive right in. Yes. There are some stories we have here about employment and jobs. And these are actually old stories. <laughs> we haven't had the opportunity to cover them in previous shows. But because staffing is going to continue to be an issue, almost even more of an issue, I think, in the summer and, and this, this summer and fall, it's a huge issue. These are two really big stories that, that came out of, of a while back, the first is Hershend and Enterprises and their release about doing. Let me let me just read here from the press release. Okay, so this was back on February eighth, and it's Hershend Enterprises, the nation's largest privately owned themed attractions corporations, announced it will cover one hundred percent of tuition fees and books for its eleven thousand employees who choose to pursue further education. The significant investment in employee education will make will be made through Hershend's Grow You. The program aims to make it exponentially easier for employees at all levels to pursue their personal and professional growth. The big part with this is that it includes all seasonal, part-time, and full-time employees across the 25 U.S. attractions, and it lists the attractions here. Uh, this is huge. I, I always thought this was a huge story. I, I'm, 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 just, I'm so impressed by this because of the things where it's all the employees, uh, full-time, part-time, seasonal, and they do, they do have a list of, of programs and et cetera. It's similar to the Disney program a little bit in that um, uh, there's a list of approved things you can do. But still, 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 I, I think it's phenomenal. And I think that this is what I mean when I say that the theme parks and attractions, we need to rethink 
work and rethink the, the concept of, of what it is and our culture and all that kind of stuff. It's no longer, it can no longer be enough for just people to be only excited about, you know, playing a part in the show, quote unquote. You know, there has to be a little bit more in my opinion. And I think this is a wonderful example and I'm so curious to see how it's going to turn out. And, 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 and you know, just win-win all those things. I don't know. I, I, anyway, Scott, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I, I agree with you with all of the feel good stuff. I think it is I think it is important because it's it is truly, you know, for years uh, we've always heard our greatest asset are our employees. Well, mm -hmm. Hershend is clearly putting their money where their mouth is because they're investing in. They're not just compensating, they're investing in improving that asset, improving their 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 staff and giving their staff the opportunity to improve themselves. And potentially improve themselves to the point where they're going to leave them and go somewhere else, yeah. which is not a bad thing in the theme park right. industry. Once you have, uh, once you have had someone who is committed to you as a company, they will continue to bring their families back to your parks. They will continue to support your parks. They will continue to send other people there to work if they're at a different point in their career. Um, so I, I think this is incredibly wise. I do. I, I am going to throw one tiny little caveat in there because I do think there are going to be some folks who are just going to say, well, I don't want to go to school. Can you just pay me more? And um, because they don't want to have a career other than, you know, their, 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 their careers have either, say they're a retiree. They've gone through, you know, their entire career and now they're doing something just so that they can still see people. There's a lot of theme park employees who are retirees who just aren't quite ready to kick their feet up and do nothing. Um, and by the way, they're phenomenal employees usually. Uh, so this, this may not sit well with them. It might. I don't know. Um, that's the only negative I can see to this, but I agree with Philip 100%. I think this is really, really exciting. I am very curious to see how it pans out for them. And I am hoping it works well because if they can set the standard, I think um, this is something that can expand to other companies. I think it's something that can expand to other industries. And I think that, you know, for years we've been talking about the high cost of education and how are we ever going to continue to... Um, keep young people involved, you know, and, they, and they've, they've targeted elementary and high school to get uh, STEAM and STEM education and, and encouraging um, young kids to, to be involved in math, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is taking that to the next level. And it, uh, it is a corporate sponsored investment in their people. And I, I hope this works. That's what I, that's the way I really feel. I hope this works because okay. in my heart, it feels like exactly the right thing. And, uh, I will say I have been wrong before, but I hope that this is the case because it really feels right to me. And to Scott's point, you are going to need to think about how to make it fair, quote unquote, fair to everybody in terms of if you are offering a thing that only some people benefit from, what do the other people get? And I do think though, I, I will push back a tiny bit because I, I do, I, I'm, I don't, maybe I'm assuming, but I, I am, a, I think a lot of attractions, you know, we pull a lot of our workforce from the, the younger crowd. So I do think it, it's skewed in terms of numbers that way, but I do agree. And for example, at Gantam, we recently increased our vacation, our paid vacation days to kind of, you know, be fair with industry standards and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, when I talked, when I, I I got feedback from all of our staff before we implemented the change, and one of the feedbacks that we got was, 
exactly what Scott said. We had two people that said, I don't, I don't like to go on vacation. I, I love to work every day. I want to work. I don't want to use any of my time. And what are we going to get if we don't use our vacation? So like, so we worked out a buyback plan, you know, where the vacation time doesn't carry over, but you can buy it back at the end of the year so they can get a bonus. And they thought that was fair, but it's that exact point. You're always going to have, no matter what benefit you give people, you're going to have people that use it and some people that don't. And the people that don't use it, uh, you need to be thinking about how it's going to be fair to them. So. Yep. And and again, I, I think that I think that you're right, Philip. I think this does target exactly who they're aiming for. I also think it's a great entry position opportunity. Um, but I also have recognized over the last five years, especially, um, at least here in Florida, in this market, the theme park employee age is going up because mm. uh, the this is not the cool high school gig that it yeah. used to be. Um, it's people are younger people are recognizing I can make you know, I, I can make more money by being a, a, a an influencer. Um, I can monetize, if I can monetize my Instagram page, then um, it's much easier than dipping ice cream. So, yeah. um, I again, I hope it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it is absolutely wonderful. I hope it works, and I hope it works exactly the way they think it's going to. And and I hope that what Hershen sees on the back end is their, uh, their senior leaders, their management team commits early, educates themselves and helps make the, the, the company better as they move up within the, within the hierarchy. Yeah. Well, our next story on staffing is from FunSpot. And this isn't less of a story. There's not actually a story. I, I just found it and I'm reading it. But <laughs> um, basically, FunSpot is now matching salaries for locals. Here at FunSpot America, we value your talent and experience and are looking for the best of the best to join our team. That's why we will match your salary if you work in any of these jobs. And they list jobs like quick service, food preparation, cook, theme park attendant, rides, guest services, cashier, hosts, et cetera, et cetera. Simply apply online or in person at our Orlando or Kissimmee locations. Um, now, so I actually, I don't love this. Um, I, I feel like this is the wrong way to do it. Um, like, <laughs> it's like... Also, I'm not sure why you would you would leave a different job and go to FunSpot. Like if you if you, basically, I think what they're saying is if you work at Universal or Disney and you're making 15 or more, you can come to us and we'll match your pay, right? But why would you want to leave those jobs and go to FunSpot? Like I, they're they're I, I feel like they're a lower brand. Um, sorry, but I, that's just my opinion. And also, um, again, this is creating that uneven inequality. Like so, you're gonna you're gonna bring in cast members from other places that are going to get paid more to the same job as people that have been there at FunSpot longer. <laughs> so you're going to create resentment among your staff. Why? Just because those people, that doesn't mean that they're better at the job because they're coming from a different location. It just means that they're coming from a different location. You know, it doesn't mean they know the, the FunSpot culture or et cetera, et cetera. And if you are trying to argue those people are better um, then you're kind of just shooting yourself in the foot because then you're admitting that your programs aren't good enough to train your staff. Well, I think there's a couple of, there's just, I don't disagree with you in theory. I think there's a couple of practical things that you're not necessarily including in your concerns. Uh, number one, FunSpot is competing directly with Disney and Universal for people to sell popcorn. Um, and if they can't get those people to sell popcorn, they don't sell popcorn. Um, so, I don't know what else they could have done. They're never going to be a Disney brand. They're never going to be a universal brand. Um, 
Secondly, the other thing that I think you have to take into consideration is there are very few people in Orlando who only work for one theme park, certainly from the frontline standpoint. From the Obviously, from the executive standpoint, yes, you work for a, one park. But I have many, 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 many Orlando friends who are, you know, entry-level positions, or as I just talked about, retiree positions, who work at Disney, Universal, and perhaps even Fun Spot for no other reason that then they can go and enjoy these. It's cheaper than buying a season pass. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they commit their employment to it. So I don't think they're asking anybody to actually leave these other parks. I think what's really happening is they're getting people to consider them as one of the additional parks that they belong to. Um, so that they can have the opportunity to keep their staffing going, but also uh, compete within the market. So I, I I agree with you in theory, but I think there's some some practical sides there that makes this uh, makes me understand why they did it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. When, when you asked, you're not sure what else they could do. They could do something like I don't know, offer education. <laughs> but again, fun spot is not a career. Fun spot I know. not a career. Hershend is. I'm just, I'm just um, playing kind of the devil's advocate and putting that out yeah, there. But, of like, you know, they they could they could use out of the box thinking to come up with some sort of benefit that is competitive. But based on history, for a uh, for Fun Spot to match Disney in pay rate is out of the box thinking. That's something that has never been done before. Um, it they have been considered the sort of I drive or well, depending on which location, there's two of them. Um, mm -hmm. They've been sort of the the gosh, we we can't afford another Disney ticket, so guests will come to us. And by matching pay, they're also elevating the uh, elevating their employees' feeling like you're worth as much as uh, we're, we're you're worth as much to us as you are to Disney. So, um, is it the perfect answer? No, I don't think it is. But is it unique for, for a park of that size? Absolutely. Is it unique for a park of that size in Orlando? Absolutely. And is it a necessity? Probably. Does it match into the utopian view of how theme parks should run? No. Yeah. Well, and I'm always the one to say it's not money that, that brings people in. However, I think that FunSpot is in a world of hurt. I was there not mm -hmm. too long ago. Yep. And um, yep. when you when you see when you see one culinary location open because of yep. staffing, and yep. you see a roaming what I call roaming blackout of attractions because they have to move their operations people from one attraction to another, that is not good. And um, they are also starting to see the same increase in attendance that every other theme park is starting to see, and they've got to do something, and they've got to do it now. So, so that's it. Well, um, I will say that, uh, you know, in addition to jobs, there are a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of things that are, are coming back online. Um, a bunch of attractions are expanding. And I think probably the one that we should talk about real quick before we, uh, before we kick things over to us at, uh, at the trans world shows is, is uh, that uh, tickets are now on sale for uh, Midsummer Scream, which is taking place July 29th through the 31st at the Long Beach Convention Center in Long Beach, California. Um, the cool thing, I will say, you people who listen to uh, me on other podcasts, mine, for example, um, have heard me say that I absolutely love this show. This is a show mm -hmm. that is put together by Halloween lovers who um, 
who happen to work in the industry. So it's the perfect combination of fan show and industry show. So it, they're back. Um, they're, they're putting a whole sort of renewed focus on what made Halloween cool for us when we were kids. And I always like to say that I was kind of the last generation of the golden age of, of Halloween because I still trick-or-treated. And I trick-or-treated until I was about 13 and it was still okay. Um, so uh, I'm excited to hear this. Philip, I know this is in your backyard, so it's, it's much closer to you than it is to me. What, what, are your, uh, what are some of your takes and what are you excited about for this upcoming uh, Midsummer Scream? I think the uh, David Markland, you know, the co-founder said it perfectly here in the release, which is as Midsummer Scream returns, we're putting a renewed focus on what made us love Halloween as kids and the traditions we've continued through our lives. That includes the magic of trick-or-treating, celebrating the classic monster of our childhood and preserving the history of our favorite holiday. I think that kind of summarizes it well because what makes that show so unique is that they do have they do incorporate those elements because they have a hall of shadows. They allow local attractions to come in and set up uh, walkthrough displays, which is very unique in the you know trade show type of thing of having those type of interactive exhibits. And this year they're launching a museum of Halloween. So it is, he's completely right. I just love it. I, I love that they work so closely with the attractions. That's That's kind of why we thought it was important for this show is that I like how they, they, it's a fan show. It's the four fans of Halloween. But you know what? Those are our customers as attractions that do Halloween stuff. Fans of Halloween are customers. And so I like how Midsummer prevents an opportunity for attractions to engage with their customers in that sort of meaningful way by putting together exhibits and interactive elements and getting people excited about the Halloween and fall season. And the smart attractions bring something great that is a memorable moment to hear, and they sell tickets, <laughs> like, at the show. Yep. Those are the, that's the smart way to do it. And I think them providing a service that is brilliant. Mm -hmm. It feels a very unique niche in the... Yes. Uh, in the the, the, the milieu of trade shows. And speaking of trade shows, um, as we mentioned at the beginning of this show, Philip and I are actually at the, uh, the co-located trans world shows in St. Louis. And um, what we'd like to do is kind of kick it over to us so that you can hear uh, the most updated information about what uh, the Haunted Attraction Association has uh, just shared in, uh, in their state of the industry um, discussion, as well as any new information that we have found out uh, about Christmas, Halloween, or escape rooms and how it impacts okay. the, uh, the attractions industry. So here we are with the second half of our show, uh, and we have just completed uh, not only the Oscars um, here at Transworld in St. Louis, but we have also, um, actually Philip, because I was working and getting ready for the Oscars, uh, Philip attended the Haunted Attraction Association's um, State of the Industry discussion, board meeting, Q&A, all kinds of stuff. So, Philip, what, what were the, the key takeaways that you got from... Uh, from the state of the industry and how and how different are the things how different are they from the things that we've been saying well to start off they did the state of the industry which is really just an overview like a check-in okay of, here was our three-year strategic plan how well did we do what did we do what did we not do where are we with everything and he talked on all the things we've heard so far the mixers the facebook group the change in the oscars and mm -hmm. that whole program and mm -hmm. whatnot and i think the main things that spencer talked about in his speech 
was really that the there's growth in the industry and that they're putting together advisory committees for home haunters as well as an advisory committee to redo the top haunts program. So it seems to me like they are creating a pathway for the next generation of people that are starting as home haunters to really inspire them and then to, to say you're welcome here too and here's resources for you and then here's a pathway to becoming a top haunt, here's what that means, here's how you get there and that's how you become profitable. It's really interesting because uh, offline Spencer and I had a, a bit of a discussion about the importance, you know, the, the, the Haunted Attraction Association is already nailed into um, the dyed-in-the-wool old haunters and they need to continue to offer things to new haunters and, and bring people into the industry. So it sounds like they're already making plans to do that, I mean, s more concrete plans than just sort of idle Chat, chit chat in the hallway yes. at a at a trade show. Um, it's like they're it's like they're actually planning to to make that move forward. So um, so that's great to hear because that's going to be not only good for the industry but also good for the haunted attraction association because yeah. it will help them uh, grow their membership, which will then actually benefit all of its members. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is in uh, in doing interviews um, as for 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 the haunted attraction association um, talking to vendors. Over and over and over again, vendors kept talking about how valuable the Haunted, Haunted Attraction Association is to them, but not necessarily from the concrete things, but from the conceptual things. So, for, not, for example, they were talking about how great it was that it provided a forum for a bunch of different members from a bunch of different parts of the same industry to come together, be heard, um, the mixers, the, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and it helped them as vendors because then they could, you know, help steer and guide their uh, their business models yeah. to meet the needs of the people in the industry. And they and they they credited the the HAA. Several of them credited the HAA um, for for being able to do that. So that was like one of their number one benefits was just the ability to uh, meet with like-minded people. So it sounds like they're just continuing to reinforce yeah. uh, reinforce what they need. That's fascinating to have that connection. Um, of course, the other thing that they mentioned, speaking of the vendors and the vendors being excited, their auction this year was, I think, one of the best on record. So they raised almost $30,000 at the auction in one day. And uh, they already had cut a little bit from the budget because they changed over the PR firm. Mm -hmm. So they have a little bit of budget and then they have this end. So after they pay for the Transworld expenses and the uh, this year's PR firm should be less, so they should have a little bit of money to spend on, as he actually said, more mixers and more in-person connection and more uh, training and more of uh, that kind of establishing, getting haunts to top haunts and, and sharing education. And I think that, and I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not always a huge fan of, of mixers just because yeah. I think that mixers for mixers sake are sometimes not as effective as they could be. However, I think maybe I'll eat my words here because, uh, Based on the energy that I've experienced in at this show, at this at this trade show, it's never been this energetic. It's, it's never really had this time. kind of. I mean, not since the old days in Chicago. Back in the back in my day, uh, back in the old days in Chicago. Um, you just love Chicago. I just I love Chicago. Know, like, I do. Well, I, I grew up there, so it's it's home for me. But um, but there was an energy there. There was a, a vibrancy there, yeah. and um, that seems to have waxed and waned over the years. But 
everybody I talked to said this seems to be a high. There's a yeah. there's an energy now, and it's because I think we've been um, unable to get together as as humans and not just the the Brady Bunch squares, uh, you know, in a in a virtual yeah. call. So um, I think that the need for mixers is is really important, and I think that the value that's going to come from them. Um, is going to be more than just it's a fun thing to do. People want to see other people yes. again in yes. person. Yes, and people in, and people in this industry especially. Um, I had I had dinner with a friend of mine uh, who had never been to a trans world before, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she and I were talking. And as we were at the restaurant, people would walk by who I who I knew, and I would get up and I'd say hello. And she leans over and she goes, "This is the huggiest convention I've ever been to." Mm-hmm. And I think that's this is a perfect parallel to that. It, we want that physical contact in this industry, yeah. uh, in the haunt industry, to, to yeah. see each other. And I do think that expands over into um, just the attractions industry in general, yeah. um, but certainly in the haunt industry where it's, we, the, the, the connections that we make and uh, the information that we share in a social setting is, if we pay attention to it, can be very, very valuable. Yeah. Well, going off of the connection and people wanting to all that, mm-hmm. um, that was a big theme in the Q&A section. And the Q&A section had three main uh, like groupings of questions, which are th- all things that we have talked about. So mm-hmm. I guess we must be on par. We are, I mean, or they I, listen to us. Maybe or they, they just oh, listen to, to our show. It's like to, Inception. That's right. We incepted that's right. it so we, we could talk about it. Correct. On, oh correct. my God, okay, we're correct. brilliant. Anyway, so. The, <laughs> so we're lucky. I don't know which. It um, was, uh, it was, is demand going to be continue to be this robust, mm-hmm. and it was how is the war going to impact the attractions, mm-hmm. and it was staffing. How is staffing going to evolve in this next year? And, and were, the, were the answers that the board was able to give any different from what we've been saying um, kind of since the, since the beginning of time? Or were they, because uh, what, 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 I, what I gleaned from what I've heard is that they were trying to remain very, 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 very positive, but was it, do you feel that it was realistic? I, I ask you. I asked the grumpy member of this oh duo. Oh God! You just set me up. I, I did. I did. I said, the "What gr- if they're listening?" I said, okay, the, "Well, I hope they're listening. <laughs> I hope they're listening." No, it's funny because I just. So I'm going to go on a side note. What a shocker! A uh, little sidetrack here. I just had a great conversation with um, with Joe Thaler, um, who just got the. Um, Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars, and he said when he was a younger man, he used to hear people complain to him, and it would it would piss him off, it would make him angry. And he said as he's grown older, he's like, I may not like what I'm hearing, but that does not preclude the fact that I still need to hear it in order to get better. And I was like, that is the incredible wise piece of wisdom. Again, why he's been around in the industry for so long, and and why he's being recognized. But yeah. <laughs> excuse me. So if there if there are sort of questionable things, and and the the board is listening, I uh, they're they're a they're a bunch of grownups. You yeah. know, this is a board that I really respect, yeah. and uh, and and they'll hear it, and and we're not going to present it negatively anyway. So okay. Well, so well, I I won't present it negatively. I, Philip might be a jerk. Uh, I think the most. Most of what they get, I think most of it is half right, and it is very from the haunted attraction mindset, which should not be a surprise. Well, that's it. That's kind of the name of the. Uh, yes, it is the, the name of the, of the organization. Yeah. So, yeah. so on on the demand section, this is something that we have talked about. Um, they they kind of push the idea that you need to plan for just getting better every year, like indefinitely. Mm-hmm. It's just a continuous thing. Mm-hmm. We know that that's not true. 
We know that, you know, that there, this year, we, I mean, it's even published in the research that the TEA puts out, the ACOM index, IAPAS put out this, everyone, all the research out there shows us that what the, the best or the most likely course of action is that this next year is a continuation of the pent-up mm -hmm. demand because people still right. want to see each other. Right. But then by next year, things are going to start to equalize by 2023. Mm -hmm. And that equalization means that you need to have something different because the competition is going to be greater. And that is why the parks are planning their reveals, a lot of them, for 2023. Mm -hmm. Because they know, because we all know this. And I, But I think on the haunt side, maybe they don't know that or they don't look at that. Well, but but... Uh, if we if we try to extrapolate a little bit from that from that answer that you have to co continue to get uh, you have to continue to grow and grow and grow what they may be saying is you need to continue to change and change and change because if you think about it a lot well but a lot of these independent haunters <laughs> a lot of these a lot of these well and again you were there I was not but a lot of these independent haunters mm -hmm. don't understand they're they're like well I got a barn and I can't grow I can't get any bigger so when they're saying grow they're saying change that's that's what that's what I would hear. Um, but again, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But the the idea of, as you just said, there has to be new because the competition's going to get better. Okay. So you, we have to continue. To, you can't rest. You have to continue to Correct. invest, and you have to continue to uh, make your business model and your product offering more robust Correct. in order to meet the competition. Because it's going to become more competitive. Correct. That's Correct. the so down, That's the other side of the coin. Right. And I, but I don't know whether I don't know whether that necessarily makes what they said untrue. It's, just I just, un, it's incomplete. It's incomplete. That is fair. That is fair. It's incomplete. I think all of their answers were incomplete. Okay. And I think it's because they really came from just on attraction, but of course this podcast is not for just on attraction. Right, so. right. So we see it We see it as a bit broader spectrum. And their second point to the war, you know, it was like, the war is going to, they didn't say it was going to be good for business, but basically that the uh, every crisis previously has only led to a small bleep and a, just a small dip, but ultimately a higher uh, recovery because people need a distraction from bad news. And again, that is incomplete because what it leaves out is what we have talked about, which is the supply chain disruptions and the increased costs and the increased impact on gas and those elements. They also leave out the timeline. You know, they were saying it was like a couple of days bleep. I'm like, no, no, a I, bit more I, than I was, a couple of I was days. Doing, I was doing haunted attractions in, um, in 2011. And so uh, they referenced that, and that was, but that was not a two-day bleep. Yeah, they said that was that, that they, was a they season said that bleep. By September, there was already more people lined up than they had had the previous year. Mm, that okay, if that was Maybe the case, that one haunt, if yeah. that was the case, good for them. That's great. Um, uh, that was not what I experienced. That was not yeah. that was not what we experienced. Uh, in, uh, certainly in the theme park realm, and maybe theme park versus independent haunt had a different experience that year maybe um, that's true it could be people felt safer at smaller correct places. they were afraid yeah. to go to places of large gatherings and we saw that with the pandemic too we saw yes. some people that wanted to go to local places they're like i can't deal with universal orlando halloween horror mm -hmm. nights 10 million mm -hmm. people so they went to so they went to local zoos and mm -hmm. they went to local attractions yeah. and that was great so as you say i think I, I don't think what they're from what you're telling me it doesn't sound like what they're saying was wrong it just was incomplete yeah an incomplete perspective on the impacts of that. I will also add that this is, again, a, a complex system, and I use that by the definition of a complex system, right. meaning that we can't predict what you What you can't see is Philip actually did air quotes. I did air quotes of a yeah. complex system. We, we can't predict it. So so we, can, we, we know some things. We also don't know the ultimate impacts of it. But we know, for instance, we do know that the supply chain stuff, we also know, for instance, I can share another thing I was going to bring up this week when we talked about it is the shutdown in China mm -hmm. will ripple through the yes. industry. Yes. Our factory was caught in the quarantine zone. 
So our factory is shut down for two weeks. And when they say shut down, one of our factory guys was still there. And they would not let him they leave. They wouldn't let him leave. And yeah. he's sleeping in the factory. He's still working, but he's sleeping in the factory. And right. we can't ship product out because they're still their their view is if it's if the even if it's an inanimate object and it's still in a quarantine zone it cannot leave a quarantine zone so even if we like there is no human it was just handed off on like a cart yeah yeah we, we couldn't get yeah, the product out i think it's a, i think it's a perfect and and again i i would at this point in time my only concern is i wouldn't give absolute answers either way because going into the war we don't have absolute answers because we don't have we don't know exactly how it's going to proceed. Yeah. And it, it could become an absolute uh, mess. Um, it could be, it could, and I don't want to sound like a downer, but it could become World War Three, or it could be a, uh, it, it could end itself rather quickly. We don't know that one way or the other. But to your point, I think we do have to take into consideration not just the, the guest demand, but also rising costs of things and supply chain issues. Correct, yes because that's going to directly impact all of that. But anyway, and then, of course, the third point being staffing. And I think um, they did make some good points about, uh, you know, raising your wage and paying people. And, and the overall point, which I think we agree with, which they also made, is that you have to think about, is the job a good job? Are you making a good job for the person right. to do? Right. And I think that has been overall our point. Exactly. And I would, again, though, to, to <clears throat> echo Scott's previous point, it... It is about pay to an extent. It's not all about pay. Correct. It's about the culture and what else you bring to it. And I will say there was a little bit of an attitude about like, oh, people want to be here. You know, a lot of people don't want to be at Hans. A lot do and a lot don't. It really does come down to the culture. It comes down to, are you making the individual job for the actor good? Or do they pop out of a corner? You know, do, do they get to have fun at and, and do it in a structured way, or are they popping out of court? And I, and I will say that the haunt industry is a little bit weird in this regard. Yeah. It does actually, um, there are people who, I mean, there are haunts that don't pay their performers. Yeah. There, <laughs> are haunts, there are haunts that do volunteers. There are haunts that do, you know, we're going to give you 200 bucks and a pizza for the entire run, you know, which is basically, you know, a stipend if, at best. Mm -hmm. So uh, to a certain extent, they are right in the fact that haunters are going to want to haunt. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I think that the, the industries that do, or the areas that do pay their folks, um, even if they do pay them, I think they have to make it a good job. I think they have to build that, that family. They have to build yeah. that After Dark family. So I, I agree with you, um, but I do think that the haunt industry is a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, and, and we have talked about, e even when it comes down to building that, we have talked about again and again, not only on the network and interviews we've done, but also we've talked about it, at, and we just talked about it yesterday, about how you become more competitive when you think about how you can employ them more year-round. Yes. E even yes. if you are hot, how can you employ yes. them more year-round? Even booking them to do promo shots, to come in in the November time mm -hmm. and then December and do whatever you can do to increase that. That's all part of this game. They didn't mention any of that, but that's that's all right. part of this extended answer. Right, right. So it sounds like it sounds like they uh, they're kind of on the same line, uh, same same page as we are. But uh, but of course, Philip being Philip has far more data 
<laughs> because that's always the way you work. All right. Well, that's our uh, that is our update from here at the Trans World Show in in St. Louis. Um, on behalf of Philip Hernandez from Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Network, my name is Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development and a Scott in the Dark, saying uh, thank you so much once again for listening. We heard gobs of listeners came up come up to us at the Haunted Attraction Network booth here at the show and say they listened, they loved us, and uh, so keep that up, share it with everybody, and we will talk to you next week. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.